You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. It was one of VH1's most popular shows and it aired for 11 seasons. Storytellers invited artists and bands to come in front of a small intimate studio gathering and perform live some of their biggest hits. And it gave him a chance to share the stories and the meanings behind those songs. One of these episodes featured my favorite all-time band, Coldplay. And their lead singer, Chris Martin, shared the story of how they wrote their hit song, The Scientist. And as soon as they started playing the song, it was amazing. Every person in the audience got emotional. Why? Well, because now they were hearing the song through a fresh lens, knowing a truth that they didn't know before. It went well beyond just great lyric and melody. You know, I've been leading worship for over 25 years now. One of the things I'm most passionate about is teaching through worship, putting scripture to song and see it take place as new revelation in people's hearts. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We're in week five of our One Another series, and we're talking about these 60 phrases in the New Testament on how to live out a life that follows Jesus and loves one another. We kicked it off uh, a few weeks ago with love one another, Jesus' great commandment out of John 13. Then we talked about spurring one another on. Then we talked about forgive one another during Father's Day. And last weekend, Pastor David taught a message on how to honor one another. This week, it's a little unique, but I think, especially for the music lovers, and listen, we're in Nashville, Music City. I think this weekend's message is gonna give us something that we can really own. Now, Paul wrote these words in Colossians while under house arrest. And he's writing to the early church in Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey. Side note, anytime you see I-A-N-S at the end of a book of the Bible in the New Testament, that was a letter written to a people group. And Paul would write these letters to the early church all across ancient Mesopotamia. These were churches that he started. So he would go to a place, start a church, raise up disciples, and leave them in leadership with the hopes of one day returning. But that wasn't always a guarantee, especially with all of the opposition that Paul faced. So he wrote letters. But Paul knew something. He knew that when a letter wouldn't do, when he couldn't show up in person, there was still a way for people to remember the message of Christ. And that was through music. Paul was telling the church to admonish and teach one another with song. Music is the universal language. Music was and is one of the biggest influencing factors in culture. Sometimes where words fail, music can sing. Music has a way of cutting straight to your heart without even asking for permission. Listen, that's why it's so key to make sure that the songs and the music that we're inputting are building up our spirit and encouraging our soul instead of sucking the life out of us and leaving us in an empty, dark place. I want you to know music is a gift from God to help us remember His Word, respond to His grace, and reflect His glory. Now, at a time where Bibles weren't for sale in bookstores and you couldn't download version on your smartphone, Paul had this method that he would 
help people remember the word of God through song. Listen to what he wrote to the Ephesians, another church. He said, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from, the, from, the, from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. Speak to one another. Teach one another with song. You know, musical lessons have their roots early on in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 15, we have the Song of Moses. This was a song that he taught the Israelites to remember the miracles and faithfulness of God. I would encourage you to read it sometime this week, Exodus 15. Fun side note, Sarah and I named our son Moses David because Moses was the first recorded songwriter in Scripture and David was the most prolific. No pressure for him to be a songwriter or anything, I'm just saying. Just like the physical altars that the Israelites built to help them remember God's miracles, songs are monuments that can live in our hearts. You know, the Psalms are a great example of spiritual mementos that went on to teach people throughout the ages of an all-powerful God. Listen what Psalm 102 says, verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. Psalmists like David, Asaph, Ethan, the sons of Korah, they were all writing songs, not just to scratch a creative itch, but for the purpose of teaching the word of God to the people of God. And how wild is it that the Psalms have truly stood the test of time and many of the Psalms make their way into modern day worship choruses today. I mean, let's be honest, if you're a worship songwriter, you owe David a lot. I wonder if we should start listing him in our co-writers section, right? I'm just hoping that once we get to heaven, the psalmists aren't lined up waiting for everybody to give them a royalty check, right? But I want you to think back on some moments when you were young and you learned through song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? As kids, we learned the alphabet through songs. Maybe you learned the uh, state capitals through a song. Isn't it interesting that nursery rhymes have lasted hundreds of years with some pretty interesting storylines, right? But let me just test out something. Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was... Hey, I know on the other side of that camera, you finished that line. You couldn't help yourself, right? And that proves my point. We remember messages when it's put to music. It might seem hard to memorize a script, but when you put those words to music, the brain operates at a different rate and a lot more effectively. And when the Bible is put to melody, it finds its way into the depths of our soul. When I was a young kid, my brother and I, we grew up listening to Steve Green's album, Hide Him In Your Heart. This is where we would put scripture to song. Uh, verses like Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord. Or Matthew 19, 14, let the little children come. Let the little children come. Yeah, I can still remember most of that album even decades later. Why? Because those songs have found their way into my heart. And that's exactly what happens when you put scripture to music. It makes its way into your heart. In 2016, I actually released my own album as Nora and Moses were getting a little bit older. I wrote story songs from scripture. This is where I took stories from the Bible like Noah's Ark or David the Shepherd Boy and I put that to music and all of the choruses are Bible memory verses. Let me know if you want one of those albums. I'll get one in your hands. 
Uh, just last week, I got an iPhone video clip from our brother-in-law. It was a video clip of his two uh, twin boys singing one of those songs during nap time. Super cute. But I have this little equation. Music plus message equals memory. Did you know that music has been proven to help Alzheimer's patients remember places, events, and people in their lives? You know, music therapy is a growing occupation because people have recognized that music helps people in their darkest moments. I love the movie, The King's Speech, which tells the story of King George VI becoming the King of England. And he has to overcome a serious speech impediment because this was the day and age where royalty often spoke on radio. And there's this one scene where his speech therapist, Lionel Logue, puts on a pair of headphones to help him recite Shakespeare. Without the headphones on, he was stuttering over and over again, but the moment the headphones go on and music begins to play, the king recited Shakespeare without a single stutter. Message plus music equals memory. When we connect the word of God to the worship of God, it seeps into the people of God. And Paul was simply telling the early church to use the method of song to carry the message of Christ. Okay, so by now we've established the fact that music has the power to teach and keep messages in our minds and hearts. But the question is, how do we practically do this with one another? How do we teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spirit songs? I'm glad you asked. I think first off, it's important to note how Paul starts these two instructional verses in Colossians and in Ephesians. He says, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly and be filled with the Spirit. You cannot teach what you don't know and you cannot counsel one another in a Christ-like manner if you're not filled with His Spirit. Whenever I get a chance to share a new worship song here at Bridges or if I'm traveling on the road, or whenever our Bridges worship team leads us in a new song, whether it's online or in person, we get into the Word of God so that we can teach and admonish. See, the songs that we sing are rooted in the Word of God and they teach the Word of God. This is why we won't just sing any old song that gets released into the worship landscape. There's a lot of messages out there and not all of them are gonna line up with the Word of God accurately. Good side note here, just on any messages or songs that you're allowing to speak into your life, I want you to ask yourself, does this message pass through the lens of Scripture? Does it line up with the Word of God and who He says I am? Or am I allowing something into my heart and mind that opposes the Word of God? And if so, if that's the case, you gotta get rid of it. You gotta throw it out. But if a song has the truth, that has a lot of power. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in John 4, verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Wow, I want to be that kind of worshiper, one that the Father goes after. And it takes worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I would submit to you that spirit and truth is kind of similar to heart and mind. God wants you to worship Him with your emotions and with your intellect. It's having our hearts in the right place by being filled with the Spirit, and it's worshiping in truth by submitting our minds to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, at Bridges, we sing and we write songs that are rooted in the Word. To let the message dwell richly in you, you've got to get into the message. 
I've made it a habit to have annual Bible reading plans so that they, they help me get through the Word of God, but more importantly, they help the Word of God get through me. And when you maybe happen to hear a song that really connects with you, I would encourage you to go to the scriptures that that song is written out of. Let the music be a launch pad to get you into the Word of God. The amazing thing about the Bible is that it will always have something fresh to say. And every time you open up the scriptures, God opens up his mouth. Hebrews says it like this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, sometimes we read the Bible, but every time the Bible reads us. So let's be singing scripture often and let's share songs with one another that are filled with God's word. Now there's this interesting word that appears in Colossians 3.16. It's admonish one another. The Greek word here is nuthateo and it translates into a warning or counsel or exhortation. Now I know that word warning might sound a little bit harsh, but if you think about it, a warning is always done out of care. You know, a stop sign is a warning trying to keep people from getting into a car accident. When you read a warning on the back of a food label, it's trying to keep you from having an allergic reaction to that food. See, a warning is done from a place of kindness and consideration. Encouragement is a huge part of admonishing. Teaching and admonishing should never be done with a holier-than-thou mentality. It should be done in humility, with grace, to see others built up and grow in their faith. So as we close, I want to look at the three specific types of songs that Paul references here. We've got psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms is a book smack dab in the middle of the Bible with 150 of what I like to call Israel's greatest hits, volume one. These are songs of praise and thanksgiving, but they're also songs of lament and songs of pain. Maybe you can encourage somebody this week with one of these Psalms, maybe somebody that's going through a hard time. Listen to what David writes in Psalm 10, verse one. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Listen, this is an honest heart cry from David. He, he felt abandoned and alone in this moment and he's wrestling with his faith. And sometimes we can find ourselves in this exact same place. Maybe you're here today or maybe you know somebody that is in this specific place. But I want you to look at how David closes out this psalm. Verse 17, it says, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. And David is saying, look, the story doesn't end with pain. The story ends with God hearing us when we cry. The psalms are a great way to teach and admonish one another. And then you've got the hymns. Okay, I admit, the only hymn I knew until I was about 25 was Amazing Grace, and that was because I heard it at a funeral. I didn't grow up with hymns like so many people that I know. But I will say, in the last decade or so, I've fallen head over heels in love with the hymns. In fact, the record label that I work with is called Simple Hymns, and we mostly work on revitalizing songs that are hundreds of years old that don't have music to it. These songs, these hymns, are filled with theology and deep truths about Jesus, and they're sung in such a beautiful and poetic way. I love 
hymns. In fact, I'm excited that Bridges Nashville is going to be releasing our next single later this summer. It's actually a, a hymn that was written by Fanny Crosby a hundred years or so ago. It's a hymn called Trusting in Jesus. It didn't have music, so our team, we put music to this old hymn, and it comes out later this summer. Be on the lookout for it. But I just want to share the words from the chorus of Trusting in Jesus. He is the rock that hideth my soul. Though tempests may rise and billows may roll, this is my watchword, whatever betide, trusting in Jesus and no one beside. Wow. Hymns hold such deep truths that we can use to encourage one another. Maybe send your favorite hymn to somebody that you know needs encouragement this week. You know, one of my favorite all-time hymns is The Old Rugged Cross by George Bernard. And I put it out there that it was one of my favorites. And Michelle, somebody who attends here at Bridges Nashville, she sent me a special printout of those lyrics on cardboard. And that sits on my piano every day, reminding me of Jesus' love. So teach and admonish through hymns. The last category is a little bit more mysterious because it's songs of the Spirit. Listen, when you ask to be filled with the Spirit of God, don't be surprised if you get some songs of the Spirit. Whenever our worship team gets together to write songs, we pray that the Lord would be in and on the music and that the Spirit of God would fill the music and the lyrics. The song, Jesus You Are, that Delaney and I wrote is a perfect example of this. We wrote this song, released it in 2020. It was a declaration that Jesus is good and perfect and true, even in the midst of hard times. We were facing a lot of battles when this song came out. We had our trailer stolen. Nashville had just been hit by a tornado. And in a couple weeks, the global pandemic would hit. And yet, I love what the bridge of this song teaches us. It says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and He makes all things new. I believe anybody filled with the Spirit can also be given a spiritual song, especially in their quiet times with the Lord. So how can you teach somebody about the gospel with a song this week? Maybe you can share a Spotify or a YouTube link with somebody that you know needs encouragement. Hey, I hope you're encouraged every time you join us, whether it's online or in person, as we share songs of worship. I hope that when we have acoustic times of worship in our house church, you're, you're, you're encouraged by that. I would encourage you to check out bridgesnashville.com music and listen to some of the songs that our team has been writing out of the stories that happen right here at Bridges Nashville. And while you're there, you can check out our Elements album. This is a free instrumental album that's designed to be a soundtrack to your prayer times. Music is a gift from the Lord. So let's use it to teach and admonish one another. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.